Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of This Song Is Yours. I'm Simon Fink, your host, and today we've got a true legend in the house, Matt Pryor from The Get Up Kids. The rock and emo powerhouse hailing from Kansas City, Missouri is on this very podcast. But for something different for the pod, Matt is not just here to talk about music. He's recently unveiled his first ever memoir titled Red Letter Days. If you were listening to alternative rock in the late 90s and early 2000s, then this book is a must read. It's a captivating journey from a young musician's humble beginnings to the highs and challenges of forming the Get Up Kids. In today's episode, we dive deep into the inspiration behind this incredible memoir. Matt peels back the layers on what prompted him to document these pivotal moments in his life, and we explore his process of revisiting the past and how he's managed to capture these moments with unfiltered candor. And that's not all, we're venturing into the early iterations of emo, unraveling the weight that that word held back in the day. It's a conversation that's not just about music, it's about the stories that shaped an era. We want to give a massive shout out to Amanda from Chromatic PR for making today's episode possible. So whether you're a diehard fan of the Get Up Kids or just curious about the tales behind the music, this episode is for you. Before we dive into today's episode, please make sure you subscribe to This Song Is Yours on your favorite podcast platform. Stay in the loop with our latest episodes by following us on social media. All the details are in today's show notes. So thank you for joining us and let's step into the world of Matt Pryor and the Get Up Kids. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from the Get Up Kids, Matt Pryor. Matt, hello. How are you going? Um, good. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast this week. I'm very excited that you're here because there's a uh, there's a brand new book out from yourself, Red Letter Days. Congratulations, firstly, on this, uh, this fantastic new book. Oh, thank you very much. How are you feeling? This, uh, this book is a, from my understanding, it's kind of a, a journal of of a kind of snapshot of time, I think about 10 years. Um, so it's not like a full memoir, but it's kind of touching quite a lot of important moments of your life in, in the key parts of the band. Um, firstly, I guess, did you think back then you'd be in this position writing a memoir about kind of your time in, in one of um, America's most successful kind of um, punk and emo bands? Uh, well, no, of course not. I mean, I, we started the band when I was uh, 18, 19 something like that so i mean we just didn't through think through the end of the year let alone you know the future um beyond you know the next gig so no this is not this was not part of the plan because there was no plan (laughs) 
when the the idea for the book kind of came up, Red Letter Days, it is out now, and we'll make sure it's in um in the podcast links for people to purchase and, and access. Um, what kind of spurned on the idea to to write Red Letter Days? I know that as I mentioned, there were journal entries, but had you been kind of going back over some of these entries and and seeing what you could do with them? I guess where did that idea come from? Well, so the journal entries thing is a bit of a misnomer. Um, because it's not entirely true. I did write journals when I was younger, but I didn't really write that much during the time that the band was touring. Um, that's something that got put into the press release or the bio that apparently I didn't think was a big deal, but now everyone asks me about the journal entries and they just don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do journal now, but um, it's more that like, it kind of similar to the way I wanted to start podcasting initially, which was just like, I have all these stories that I tell <clears throat> of, you know, my weird job that I tell to people. And, um, you know, I, in, in podcast form, I just wanted to like relay those stories, you know, publicly. And then now I just wanted to like document them, you know, so that they're written down, um, before I forget them really more than anything. And then also just, I like memoirs. I, I read a lot of them. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Which I think is fair enough. I think, um, and with the added information now that it wasn't so much like journal entries, how did you begin that process then of going back and trying to remember some of the intricate details of these stories? Like some of these stories, it seems like I'm surprised now with learning that information. Cause it seems like you've still maintained quite a lot of the details in, in these, um, in these kind of captures of your life. Well, there's a couple of things to that. One is, uh, who knows how many of the details I actually got right. Um, cause nobody, you know, with the exception of my bandmates, nobody else was there. I mean, some of the stories nobody was there, but, um, it's more like, at least with the band stuff, the first like five years or not even the first like three years that we were a band, were I was really uh, entrenched in all the like goings on as far as like um, booking shows, promoting things, driving, scheduling things, and so I have a just have a really it was a very formidable time for me because everything was just a new adventure, and so I have a really good memory of that time. It's when towards the end of the book, when I start to get a little bit more disillusioned with it when things start to become like we're start turning on a bus and things start becoming more um more monotonous the more more not monotonous sounds negative but like just kind of like the same thing every day which i guess is what monotonous means but um that i i get a little bit hazier because things start to blur together um you know because it's just you're staying in the same place every night and you're you know you 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 don't have that sort of like sense of, of adventure as far as like, this is a brand new experience. But so I, I have a pretty good memory of, of that time. And, um, you know, honestly, a lot of stuff came back to me as I just sat down and started writing it. Um, things that I didn't even know that I remembered until I started like, you know, putting pen to paper or typing into the computer was probably more accurate. <laughs> I can very much appreciate that. I'd, I'd be very curious to know, and I want to touch on it in a little bit in terms of the honesty and your your way of writing, but I'd be curious to know in, in revisiting a number of these stories, was there ever anything that kind of 
possibly changed perspective from how you thought it was to now with time and distance and age, looking back on it, it kind of, you were able to reassess it in a different light. Well, I intend, like a lot of the stuff in the book from that time period, I, I'm not that person anymore and I don't agree with that person anymore, but I was trying to write it from the perspective of the person that I was and to stay true to that and to not editorialize, you know, I wanted it to be honest and I wanted it to be, you know, warts and all. Um, and I didn't want to like, you know, I, I did edit it in that I tried to not tell anyone else's story because there's a lot of things because I'm not a big like partier. So like, a lot of the good party stories are not mine. They're other people's uh, stories that I heard the next morning. And uh, I made sure not to like really put a lot of those in there and to not like, just basically to like tell my own, to be just to stay on my side of the street and not talk about anybody else and and certainly not throw anybody under the bus, um, which I think I accomplished. But yeah, it, it was like, you know, the, the book is written from the perspective of someone who's, you know, um, 11 to 22. So, you know, the, that's that's kind of the mindset I tried to stay in for the book. Hmm. I, I don't, you know, I'm 46, almost 47, so I feel pretty differently about things than I did when I was 20. Of course. Uh, with some of the stories in this book, as I mentioned, the, there's a level of honesty and I think candidness that you've written with, which I very much admire. I think that in terms of memoirs, like we, being a music podcast, try and keep on top of um, most music memoirs and read those. But yours was one that I found, um, yeah, very kind of not allowing the reader to be swept up in the grandeur of anything. It was that, yeah, you kind of do seem to be telling it from a place of a very honest and direct um, perspective. Was there any concern when you went into that in terms of how it would be received or what people might think of that? Again, you're not really disparaging or or talking ill of anyone else, so it's not like that. But, yeah, was I guess what were the thoughts on bearing yourself in in such a a way? Oh, I was fine with it. As far as how it would be received, I don't, I didn't really care and I still kind of don't because it's sort of like, uh, I had to, I I wrote it from kind of a selfish place. Like I wrote it for my, my own entertainment and my own enjoyment. And if anybody else likes it, then that's just kind of bonus, you know, um, no intentions of getting rich off of this book, <laughs> you know, like it just, uh, it was just something I wanted to do. And it's a, it's a form of therapy for sure. The way that songwriting is. Um, but as far as like just being honest, I just didn't feel, you know, I don't, I don't think that people, enough people talk about the kind of like downside of what, being a professional musician can be it's not i'm not i feel like whenever in someone's revving a motorcycle outside i'm sorry about that i don't know what that's about Um, i feel like if you say anything in if you're in my position and you say anything about that the job is difficult you're either told to shut up and sing or 
that I've got it so good or that I'm saying that it's all shit and it's not any of those things. It's just that like, I think because the, especially the rock and roll lifestyle is so like glamorized and then the debauchery of it is glamorized that, you know, uh, no one really talks about that it is it's it can be very disheartening a lot of the time you know it can be very difficult and uh and honestly it can be really really lonely and uh you know if nothing more from the kind of like dizzying you know high of being on stage and in front of people to then coming off stage and just being nobody you know what i mean like it just sort of like you go into a gas station and mm at three in the morning and you're just you're tired and you're surrounded by neon lights and all you can do is get a burrito and like that just is not terribly romantic but no one talks about that part of it or at least people didn't used to i think more people are talking about it now but um so i don't have a problem talking about that stuff because I, i would like to you know normalize the job a little bit more and take it off of a, maybe take it off of a pedestal because it's, it's a, you know, I get really, uh, and most people don't do it. Certainly no one in your position would do it, but it's like, you know, you meet a friend of your mom's or whatever, and she calls you a rock star. And I just go like, that's so gross. Like I don't like, I'm a, I'm a working class musician. Like I make a living playing music, but I work really hard at it. And, um, you know, I I don't, I don't like throw temper tantrums and smash up hotel rooms and stuff like that. And that's, that's okay. (laughs) And that's not, you know, um, and that, you know, and that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it. I just don't, that side of the, the gig has never really appealed to me. That was a long, Sorry about that. No, 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 no. I appreciate a long answer. Um, I think there's one point in the book, what was it, that is almost not totally indicative of what you just said, but like that it it kind of showed this honest snapshot. I think it was maybe the first or second tour where you've you've driven around, you're driving yourself, it seems to be going well, and then you come home and in your hometown it's kind of like a tall poppy syndrome thing in terms of that everyone thinks you're too good and also the van gets broken into. Yeah. Ain't that the way? <laughs> it's just always, it's always, you know, we parked that van on the street in New York City and no one touched it. And then we brought it back home and it got broken into the night we got back. So, yeah, it, it honestly is just, this, yeah, anyone who is listening, and I know that um, we uh, have quite a, a listenership that does enjoy the, the punk and um, indie rock bands of the 90s and the 2000s. Um, it is an incredible read and it is just kind of interesting to see some of these stories. I know that the book. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It kind of finishes off almost at the peak of the Get Up Kids and and, um, and uh, with kind of like where you I feel like it's about to take that next step and I know a number of people um, might know you from the early 2000s of touring with Dashboard Confessional or things like that. Is there or was there a plan for the book to end like that? Are we expecting a second book? Is it a, a, a Chronicles, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of always pictured it as being like when I started writing down all the stories that I wanted to tell, I realized pretty quickly that A, there were too many to fit into one book unless it was going to be like the Bible or something. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, also that there were definite, <clears throat> you know, uh, transition points in the story, at least the story so far up to where I'm, you know. <laughs> The book doesn't end until I die, I guess. And then, uh, but, you know, the first one just being like, you know, all I ever wanted to do was be, I, not even be a musician. All I ever wanted to do was play music and go on tour. And then I achieved that. And then I was kind of disillusioned with it at, at, at the end of that point, right around the time that things started to like really kind of start to have like more mainstream success, I guess would be the beginning of what could have been more mainstream success. And so, you know, I picture the next, you know, the next volume, I guess of books <laughs> would, uh, I don't know what I was going to say chapter, but there's, that's not right. Uh, starts. I mean, cause if you know the story of the get it, cause you know that like things went really, really well. And then we made a decision to kind of take a left turn And there were, there was some fallout for that. And, um, so I think that's kind of where, um, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit that happens from 2000 to 2005, which is what I think the parameters of the next book will be because this, this one's 10 years, but you know, a lot of that 10 years is when I was a kid. And so there's not a whole lot to tell about that other than, you know, normal teenager bullshit and uh, so the, the, you know but a lot happened because we kind of we kind of like we we sort of like we're, we're sort of like set we kind of like set the stage in a way for a lot of our friends to you know start getting getting more and more successful and that's that's fantastic but it just sort of like there's a whole nother kind of arc there as far as like how that affected me and my, per my perception of things and, and, you know, my, it, how it affects me now as someone who's, you know, observing it, you know, with hindsight. Of course I can very much appreciate that. And obviously as a fan do look forward to, to whenever that may be, and you're welcome back on the podcast, whenever the, the second book does come out, um, Thank you. I would love to kind of get your take on, and I know that in the book it's kind of referred to as the E word. I know I might have used it before, um, 
with the, I guess, the resurgence of interest in emo music and punk I'm, music. I'm not offended by the word. You don't have to tiptoe around Oh, it. no, I know. But <laughs> just referring to, to the E word as from... Um, as it is in the book, um, I know that, uh, yeah, in the last number of years, there kind of has had this gigantic interest in, um, in music from that era. I know that, um, when we were young, Fest is quite big. Uh, I, I'm curious as someone who as well documented in this book was around at the start and in that time during those scenes, what do you kind of make of the, the resurgence of people's interest in, in emo music and the kind of scene and culture? Um, I mean, I see it as a positive. I just, I don't, you know, I still feel kind of the same way that I felt when the first time we started getting called emo, which I feel like it's a bit of a misleading, uh, or, uh, and somewhat inaccurate sort of like tag, uh, or descriptor. Cause I kind of feel like all music is emotional if, if it's any good. Mm. And, uh, but I mean, as far as like, you know, the thing that I think is the most interesting is that, you know, there was a lot of homogeny when I was coming up touring. It was a lot of like straight white men. Right. And there were there was a to- there was a few token women. There was a t- few token people of color. And I feel like, you know, in the in the modern sense of the word, it's a lot more um, queer friendly and, you know, uh, just there's a lot more diversity amongst the people who are making the music. And I think that that's a really positive thing. And it's something that like, I didn't really touch on in the book because the person that I was at that time didn't really recognize that. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like, I didn't really realize that the lack of diversity was something that was even happening because I was just young, dumb and, you know, busy working, but I, I see it now, especially with like my kids playing in bands of just like how many people who are like, who don't look or identify like me, but like the music that I had or that we had made that I have made. Um, and that to me is, is very, very, very positive. And I, you know, we don't, really benefit the same way that a lot of bands do. We, we tend to sort of be like, like we do fine, you know, like we're, we're kind of like the, I, there's no way to say this without sounding arrogant, but kind of like the, the pixies are the replacements of the genre where it's just sort of like we're influential and we do great on our own, but we're not like mm. stadium big. You know what I mean? Like we're not like, <laughs> And that's, and I don't think that's arrogant. I think that's quite apt. Well, I just, I don't want you to think that I'm saying we're as good <laughs> as either of those bands. Uh, but it's just sort of like, we're, we're, we're not, I'm not complaining about it. We're not, we're not hurting for anything. And I actually prefer being in a sense where there's, there's not as much pressure, but, um, you know, I, I don't think that like when people talk about like, like we've never been asked to play when we were young. Not that we necessarily would want to, you know, um, but it just never, it's not something like we don't really get thought of in that same sort of, uh, commercial, uh, viability as like your fallout boys or my camera, anybody like that. And nothing against them. They're, they're both great bands. Just, uh, 
you know, that's just the reality of the situation. And it's, you know, it's just <laughs> something that we've kind of learned over the years. It's just like, we don't, it's like, it's less of a cash grab for us. <laughs> you know, like it's just not. I can very much appreciate that. And I think, um, who was it? We, we've had a few bands on the podcast. I, I think maybe two years ago, we spoke with uh, Chris Caraba from, from Dashboard in just relation to almost what you were kind of saying in that it's, it's a funny kind of term that the word weirdly seems to encapsulate so many different scopes of bands that don't even sound anything alike or aren't even anything alike, but just kind of fall under this one giant umbrella, which probably isn't even correct. So I can very much appreciate that. It's interesting because, and I hadn't really even put it together. There's a podcast called Hit Parade that I like, and they did a a two-parter on emo. And their point initially was sort of like, no one in the genre likes the word because we all just thought we were punk bands. And like, why can't we just be like, you know, like, why do we have to have a separate word? Because punk is already this all-encompassing, you know, the, the meat puppets and the bad brains are both punk bands. You know what I mean? Like, and they sound nothing alike. And it's just, yeah, you know, in the same way that like emo is kind of undefinable. Cause it's like, what is emo? Is it Sunday day real estate or is it my chemical romance? And you go like, well, yes, it is to whoever would, they're both correct. Like whatever you want it to be, but why do we have to have a separate word for it? You know what I mean? Like, I guess I kind of mm-hmm. understand why hardcore has a separate word, but even that is a little bit, innocuous you know it's just sort of like it doesn't need to be there it's like we're bands that are counterculture i don't know it's 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 i could i could think it to death i'm sure <laughs> that might be a third book that might be yeah <laughs> um matt we would usually ask i guess what they're currently listening to is there anything at the moment um on high rotation for yourself that you kind of currently enjoying you know, I, I listen to a lot of audio books because, uh, I've got kind of a bad eye and it's a little bit hard for me to like, um, I just, I also just like, I like multitasking. So I do like a lot, like if I'm working in the garden or something like that, or cooking dinner, I like to listen to audio books. And I just listened to one that was by, um, the songwriter, Tom, T- Tom T hall. That's called a songwriters Nashville. He's a country songwriter in like the sixties and seventies and eighties. And, uh, it was just really interesting. I like the craft of songwriting and I like learning about it and, uh, how people approach it. So that's, that's what I just finished listening to. I honestly don't listen to a ton of music right now. Um, I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts and the news and, and audio books. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too old for it. <laughs> As a songwriting podcast, I can very much appreciate wanting to hear more stories and the interest in, in the craft. Um, I can very much appreciate that. And a good audiobook every now and again is quite nice. Um, Matt, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and congratulations again on Red Letter Days. It's out now. We'll make sure everyone can buy it within the show notes. But yeah, thank you again. Yep. Thank you for having me. See you for, see you on the next book.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.